And that yeah. needs to be addressed. Yes. Like if there is a wound yes. as a church, we have to be able yes. to address that. We can't uh, absolutely. just pretend absolutely. it didn't exist. We can't 100%. just, you know, that, that almost like that autopilot you were talking about before, just mm. kind of continuing on. Like, yeah. sure, there's a survival instinct that will kick in, that sure. we'll just keep going as we did because we don't know what else to do. Yeah. And there has to be something else that comes in. If we don't talk about it, we don't know that we're not alone in exactly. our feelings. Yeah. We just think yeah. everyone else looks unaffected. Everyone looks right. Right. fine. Right. I must be oversensitive. Welcome to this week's episode of Living Fullness. I'm Stina Constantine and joining me on this week's episode is Father Sean Burns and Grace Morey. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear us chat about a range of topics from virtue to relationships, comments on cultural shifts and lessons we're learning as we go along. And we are so delighted to have you join us. So sit back and enjoy being part of a conversation with a few friends. Hello, Padre and Grace. How are we going? Good, good. Yeah, going well. Thank you. Good. That's yeah. the way. We probably should introduce that we have a guest in yeah. the room today. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> we have a co-host, Grace Morey, with us. He's just part of the Virtue Ministry team, our prayer coordinator. I'll let you introduce yourself, Grace. Sure. Well, I don't I don't really feel like a guest. I mean, I am, but... <laughs> No, I mean, no, we I have another guest in the room. You, need, you need no introduction. No. However, there is there is there is one that does need an introduction, though. Yeah, so my little daughter Evangeline is with us today. So she's just leaving crumbs on the floor of father's room and playing with her toys, it's fine. It's fine. just seeing what else she can get into. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, it's a great day. Contributing to the conversation throughout yes. today. Yes. That's fine. That's fine. And my office will have seen worse. Don't worry about it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. It's probably been graced by her presence anyway. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's right. So I guess before we sort of begin this particular episode, this is a bit of a, a very different episode to what we've had in the past. So if you're listening to this you will hear the tone of this episode will sound very different and the reason for that is because we're talking about something that's quite sensitive and quite painful as well and it's been a, a point of silence that we've felt in the church so all three of us have kind of experienced some level of impact because of what we're going to talk about in today's episode so I guess we're really we've titled this particular episode when the shepherd leaves his flock and really we're talking about when priests and pastors leave whatever reason that might be and have left their role and the impact that that has on those of us who remain within the church. So this is not something we've spoken about here before, and this is something all three of us have experienced in some way. I have had a personal experience of in some way. So I guess the caveat that I just want to start with in this particular episode is that we won't be focusing on any particular story. So you won't hear us kind of pull apart anyone's story as such. Uh, We're not here to point fingers. We're not here to blame or justify anyone's decisions or a reason why pastors might leave the church but what we do want to do is open up a space where we can talk about the impact that that has and how do we kind of move forward from there so to kind of start with then maybe we just open up with what what have you noticed about this space in general well I guess the main thing I've noticed is that we don't talk about it much yeah I certainly haven't been part of a conversation like this before with this specific focus when there is a situation where a pastor or a priest leaves people don't really know what to say and life is busy for most of us the ministries need to continue Mm. we need to keep going with our masses every weekend and the ministries have to roll on roll on you know keep going with the sacraments and everything so life sort of continues and we and we push forward and I think when I've been in situations of this nature I think as I reflect I don't think 
I've stopped to talk about it properly. Yeah. I think I've I've pressed on for many reasons. Yeah. And it's, it's painful. It brings up yeah. emotions and feelings that I don't know how to deal with necessarily or I don't feel like I should be feeling them. I feel like I'm mm. not really personally affected by this so I should be okay, mm. which is not necessarily the case. But Nor would you be alone <laughs> in that feeling. I imagine there'd be, you would be feeling a similar kind of thing. The pain you talk about is very real and it's experienced upon, uh, across all, all quarters of the church. It's, uh, you know, there's like kind of have a, a, I see teaching in the seminary, being among other priests and so being among the laity in a parish, I can see pain across all, across all quarters, right? I mean, there's seminarians who are in pain, there's the laity who are experiencing the pain of a past who's departed and, and also priests as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a brother has left the family and, and so it's, it's, yeah, definitely a real pain present there. Yeah, there's no question. And in some ways, I don't know where else to go with that except to say that it's utterly painful. Yeah, and yeah, it's something that um, it's a conversation that isn't presently being had. It is quite painful, and I think that, that as you've you've sort of said to us, Grace, that the expectation is that we just kind of march on without really having had the conversation. And there is some some measure of secrecy there. And um, it can feel it can feel it, like it can feel is. like that in a way, and, just and, because of the silence. And, and, and yeah. that's, that's that's right. It's just such a gap. There's just there's nothing available necessarily structured available. Nothing. Yeah. N- no kind of no kind of precedent, if you will. Like no, there's no. there's sort of no way of knowing how yeah. anyone should yeah. react in this no, space that's, that's, or how right. anyone that's should right. feel yeah. in this space. Yeah. So you're kind of just left with these big emotions yep. and a whole group of people, both laity and clergy, a bit at uh, a loss yeah. of no, what do we do with these big right. emotions? That's right. Just to double back then on the on point that was, was made, you're quite right. It's not that there's a purposeful secrecy that's going on. It's not as though there's a you know a conspiracy to remain, to, to keep things silent. But because there's no conversation around it, it can feel as though uh, there's a certain level of secrecy there and and uh, that this you know sort of shouldn't be spoken about almost mm. and nothing could be further from the truth i think this this actually requires us if there's a wound in a family the way that the family heals is by acknowledging the existence of the wound and, and, and being able to talk to each other about it and not by sweeping it under the rug or pretending that it doesn't exist that the, the conversation has to name the pain yeah so i guess then carrying on from what you're saying there then father what are the impacts that we're both experiencing and seeing then as a result of this perpetual silence in this space? I think for me, maybe reflecting on this, I think it's meant that I've experienced a sense of loss or being left or being abandoned and that's brought on, yeah, different emotions in me and different feelings in myself that I haven't spoken about and haven't named, haven't acknowledged and then I've sort of just pushed through and moved on and then I think I've become, affects me in different ways kind of later on. Even I think as just in the normal way priests are moved between parishes and they're they're leaving but they're going to another parish because that's a normal thing that happens. When that happens, I'm like a bit hypersensitive to that and like, oh, like I can't handle another. Like that's one thing I've noticed. I think so. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of don't realise. I don't – I do hear her but I don't realise it's actually – and I don't know whether to say this now or – but I, I think reflecting on the feelings that it's brought about in myself, it's similar to feelings to what I would have experienced had my own father yes. left me. That's, yes. Because that's essentially what's happening. It's on a different level, but it's someone 
a priest is someone who is a spiritual father, head of your family, parish family or what have you. Yeah. And so for them to leave, it does leave you feeling abandoned. I just want to acknowledge what you were saying before in terms of when that priest or that pastor might get moved for a particular reason, like they may have somewhere else that they need to go and serve. There is a pain point because you've built a relationship with this mm. person. You've, mm. you know, grown, there's a lot of a lot of work that's had to go in to build a trusting relationship and then they get moved. There is a sadness in that. And I think that sadness is good as, and healthy, yep. like for mm. both the clergyman and for the lay people to experience that because I think it says something about the genuineness of yep. the relationship that existed there. But it is a whole other thing to watch someone just leave without having necessarily another place that they're going to serve because they've left for what, what, like whatever the reasons might be that there, there is a whole other level of abandonment that comes with that these much deeper seated pain points that come out because it's not just that well this is a regular reoccurring thing that happens people get moved around from time to time this is very unfamiliar this wasn't supposed to happen yeah it's unexpected yeah Yeah. you end up with a lot of questions too I did yeah questions about why and how could this happen and how could this happen with someone so amazing or so holy or so whatever yeah and then yeah questions about even God's will and like their pastoral ministry, which I've experienced, like what does that mean for all of that? Yeah, what now happens to all of the things that had been started or were in the progress? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does everything go on pause? Does everything keep Mm. going? What's Mm. what's the right thing to do here? What's the okay thing to do here? Because a person who would ordinarily be leading that is no longer there. One of the things that needs to be really, really inculcated into seminary formation and into priests as a matter of ongoing formation is that the title of father is not for our benefit, that it is for the benefit of the people of God and uh, and it, it bespeaks a, a relationship and uh, you know just just like a father who leaves his family there is there is going to be pain that comes from yeah. that because father son father daughter relationship has in some way shape or form been enruptured yeah and so it's always going to have that very painful effect yeah and I guess this is the other thing that I suppose probably frustrates me about mm. this silence is we we talk about all the fathers so we're talking about a very much fam- like family dynamic here and yes. yet if we were to think about you know that abandonment you were talking about grace and if a father was to leave that family for whatever reason the pain that is left behind for that family to endure it's almost like the family is left alone to their own devices with no one stepping in not even as a family unit it's yep. like the individuals yep. are left to themselves to mm. just deal yeah. Which is not how a family dynamic no. would work. When no, that's right. when someone that's right. leaves the family, even temporarily, that family unit is meant to come together yep. in yep. some way to be able to maintain that family. Sure. And yet we sure. don't have that. Yeah. At yeah, the no, moment, I, like I it's just I because of that silence, there's such a void that yeah. there's just so much isolation and so much wounding and, and that has happened. Like the wound has happened from yes. that abandonment. Yes. Or rather the wound has caused a sense of abandonment. But then that sense of isolation that we continue to perpetuate in this silence actually just continues to re-wound us. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That, yeah that yep. keeps yep. happening yep. as well. And I, to, to extend an olive branch, as it were, you know, if, if there's anyone who's listening to this podcast who is an ex-pastor or is a, an ex-priest, regardless of the nomination that you belong to, there may well have been some very compelling reason as to why you left the active ministry. And I, I don't want to say that that isn't the case. Sure. There may well have been a very compelling reason as to why you left the active ministry. But I don't think any compelling reason, no matter how just it may be, removes the reality of scandal and hurt. Mm-hmm. It's there. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. 
yeah. you know. Yeah, and that yeah. needs to be addressed. Yes. Like if there is a wound yes. as a church, we have to be able yes. to address that. We can't uh, absolutely. just pretend absolutely. it didn't exist. We can't 100%. just, you know, that, that almost like that autopilot you were talking about before, just mm-hmm. kind of continuing on. Like, yeah. sure, there's a survival instinct that will kick in, that sure. we'll just keep going as we did because we don't know what else to do. Yeah. And there has yeah. to be something else that comes in. If we don't talk about it, we don't know that we're not alone in exactly. our feelings. Yeah. We just think yeah. everyone else looks unaffected. Everyone looks right. Yeah. fine. Right. I must be oversensitive because I'm feeling this way. Which becomes just another re-wounding. Like then it becomes yep. all the same <laughs> stuff that <laughs> comes up. Like, yeah. yeah. And I think it was a question for me too like even if I were to go and talk to someone about it or open up a conversation or that kind of thing who do I go to like do I go to a new priest who's come to (laughs) fill in this other guy's shoes who's just you know been thrown in the deep end and is going to be completely snowed under and busy and I don't know him I've got no relationship necessarily so do I go and talk to him I'm not yeah feeling like that's my go-to so then do I just talk to yeah like like where do you yeah, go where do I go yeah, yeah. where do I yeah. go other friends or other parishioners sometimes not sometimes often with these things it can be well I don't know whether there is necessarily but I also don't want to gossip about this with yeah. other people no, no, so no, exactly, exactly and I know that if I go to it, yeah. you know a bunch of other women from the parish, myself included, like, yeah, that's... Yeah. It makes it really hard, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, where do you go to, to have have this conversation? It's 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 almost like there sort of needs to be a bit of a, a bit of a culture change in some sense. Yeah, yeah. And because often, and this is my experience, the person who I would have gone to is the person who's <laughs> yes. left. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Who I have no way of contacting. Yes. Um, who I don't know, like, his role anymore in my mm. life. He's, he's not my father anymore. What do you do with that? <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's hard. Yeah. That's hard. And I, I think that we can probably learn from other Christian communities, certainly. Yeah, my husband's background. You know, I know that his former church has a lot of wonderful ways of connecting people and linking older couples with younger couples so that they've got that pastoral relationship with other members of the congregation. It's not just all falling on the one mm-hmm. pastor or yep. certain people. Yep. You know, there's they've got beautiful ways of connecting couples and families and singles so that there's a sort of formal arrangement so that you do have someone you can talk to mm. yes. about yeah. these things in a you know confidential sort of way, like yeah. not just a gossip session with right. whoever. It's right. like someone you can go to yeah. and, you know, you've already got that agreement in place, like you're my go-to person. There's a, a certain sense in which you know that will be that will actually be very helpful so uh, i think in protestant communities are quite brilliant at that i think they're more than together but there's lots of variations but generally speaking i think they normally are quite good at that but it strikes me also that there's a learning that can take place for our catholic church Mm -hmm. but also there's a uniqueness to our situation insofar as the relationship is sort of sacramentally cemented it's not just like a human to human relationship no there's 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 sort of a a mediation of the divine that's 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 occurred there and it's it's quite incredible and so the relationship is often very yeah when I was reflecting on this I was thinking about what was I experiencing when this happened to me okay my emotions were similar to that that I would have experienced if my own father had left me you know why were my emotions so strong why did I have a sense of abandonment and it's yeah partly because father priest is there for you as a father but also in the most kind of he's acting as Christ in the most important, sometimes most intimate moments of your life, like 
going to confession, confess, like confessing and, you know, experiencing reconciliation is a very powerful, very intimate, profound experience. You know, the priest, yeah, experiencing marriage, all of it, you know, baptize, you know. Of course, of course. They might have baptized you child or receiving you know your first holy communion whatever like those are really such powerful moments in your in your life and there is that awesome experience of christ ministering to you through them and so whether we feel like that was a profound experience or not it was a profound experience like that took place like whether we had a a really friendly relationship with them or not you know whether we knew them well whether we talked to them that much all of that but even if a priest who left was a priest who only administered these sacraments to you and you didn't have much outside of that, that's actually still... It's profound. Yeah, like that's profound. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're absolutely right. There is something unique in that. But still, all that being said, whether you're a Protestant or a Catholic, when your pastor leaves, it's always hard. It's always difficult. And and for us, we feel that unique, I think that unique situation of the sacramental relationship. But I would like to say uh, some of the seminarians, I know some Mm -hmm. of them listen, Mm -hmm. if for no other reason than to try and score brownie points on the exam. I know that it's tempting to look at the men who've left and to go, well, if they couldn't make it, how on earth can I make it? Yeah. Like, surely, I might as well throw the town out. Yeah. I don't think that's the right way to look at this. You know, there is no such thing as the perfect priest. Well, let me rephrase that. There is such a thing as a perfect priest. (laughs) He's in heaven his name is Jesus Christ. Here on earth, there is no such thing as a perfect priest. And we're all sinners. We're all in need of God's mercy. And so if you are faithful to your spiritual life, to your prayers, if you ensure that you connect with others, that you're not isolated, that you have good human companionship among brother priests and among laity, then you'll be in a place where you've got people to turn to when things go awry. Mm-hmm. You've got a spiritual life which is active and alive that you can constantly be drawing nourishment from. I'm not saying everything's going to be dandy, but you will be able to be a priest through the ups and downs and horrors and joys of this earthly life because it's not just depending on you. Yeah. One of my friends, Father Scott Armstrong, he has a friend who helps priests who've gone off the rails get Mm -hmm. back on the rails Mm -hmm. and he has this point he says that it's the same story every time they let their prayers go or they let their relationships go yeah one of the two yeah so don't let your prayers go and don't let your relationships go yeah that's a way of trying to safeguard the office i suppose yeah safeguarding the office and living the office right because that's i mean it's not just about safeguarding it there's actually a way to live it Mm. and to live it positively and fruitfully Mm. and that's in prayerful relationship with jesus and in appropriate relationship with brothers and sisters in christ that's the way that this relationship is lived and this state of life is lived so i think that i think too though extrapolating from what you're saying there in terms of the experience of what seminarians may be facing in light of an experience like that a similar kind of thing happens when you have someone who has been you know a great witness who has been someone who's been you know maybe a great example in a particular area so maybe they've been you know really intellectual or really great like in the pastoral space or really good in the spiritual space or whatever and if you're trying to emulate that you can have even without being a seminarian you can have a space where in this kind of an environment where there is silence nothing kind of feeding into it into this vacuum seeds of doubt can start to sow in that space and you can ask in the similar kinds of questions well if that man couldn't hold on to his faith if that man who was you know 
I held on mm. this particular high level, if he's changed his mind, if he no yeah. longer believes yeah. this, well, then so, what does that say for me? Absolutely. Mm. And look, not everyone who, who leaves the priesthood or leaves the exercise of the ministry is actually going to leave the faith. Those yeah, two yeah, things yeah. don't necessarily yeah. correlate, yeah. but it does happen. Mm. And when that does happen, yeah, I get yeah. that. And I guess a second thing that I've also noticed, just, you know, kind of living in the world, it's really embarrassing is not quite the right word, but, you know, it's as close as I can get when you have something like this that happens where they leave, the rest of the world knows that it's happened, that have anything to kind of know about the church. They Like they're aware when a pastor leaves, there's a gaping hole, what happened there? They ask so many questions and you're standing mm. there going, I don't know, one, because I don't know the ins and outs of, the, of what happened and I don't need to know the ins and outs of what happened, but I can't even tell you anything. Like I've got no response, unlike any other kind of faith-related question that they mm. might come to you with. You can say, oh, well, you know, it might be this or it might be that or this is what I know or if I don't no, I can go and find out. But you can't even do that in this space. Yeah, you can't yeah. say, oh, let me go find out for you because who are you going to go to? Like you said yep. before, Grace, where are we going to go for answers? Yeah. There are yeah. none here. Yeah. Oh, so definitely. Not only are you isolated, but then trying to be a witness in the world yeah. in this yeah. space. Yeah, that definitely. <sighs> Definitely. Really I, think it, I think embarrassed is the best word that yeah. I can okay. find right. because I felt that whether I should or not, if yeah. I was more humble, I probably wouldn't. But yeah. especially as someone who you're trying, you're always trying to live the joy of the gospel, communicate how amazing this faith is, and try and I'm always trying to share, yeah, the goodness of my faith with everyone I meet, and especially, yeah, my my friends who don't know God or my friends yeah. who are Christian and not Catholic. I'm always trying to, you know, like kind of evangelize yeah. <laughs> and share the goodness of it, and then it's like, yeah, something happens that causes scandal and might look yeah. really bad and it's like oh what do I say what do I do yeah as if yeah. there's not enough stuff I have to try exactly. and explain yeah. exactly <laughs> a Catholic come as on if there you know because we're such a massive yeah. sort of as the humans in the church so big and disorganized yes. it's like we're big old shipwreck you know beautiful beautiful <laughs> but it's not as clean as some of my Protestant brothers and sisters little congregational churches that, you know, when you're bringing friends to mass and you don't know, Mm, you haven't mm. been to this parish before and you're not sure what to expect and you're like, oh, yeah, come with me. And it's that, yeah. Yep, yep, 100%. (laughs) And can I try and maybe speak into that just a touch? Mm. When stuff like that's come up, I always bring people back to the nascent church, to the newly formed church, you know, Jesus Christ and these 12 apostles. Not long after the Last Supper, our Lord is arrested. And let's look at the 12. You know, one betrays him, one denies him, nine abandon him, and one sticks around. So what it demonstrates is human weakness. Mm. And it just these moments go to show that the church's teaching around woundedness, around human weakness and failing, all of that stuff stands so abundantly clear and none of us are immune from it. Mm. It doesn't matter what mm. your vocation is. You could be the Pope (laughs) and you're still a weak man in need of God's mercy and in need of continual conversion in need of relationship in need of prayer and if these things go missing then life is going to take a downturn quickly so I point people back to that reality that look yeah it is a bit embarrassing and yep it is uh, I think embarrassment is perfectly a perfectly valid thing to feel yes it is a bit embarrassing but let's remember too yep this is a human condition without Christ yeah human condition without Christ is inability to thrive in one's Mm. vocation or even before that to discern thoroughly one's vocation. So I guess going from there then, one of the things that's really important for us in terms of healing then is to always make sure that our gaze is focused back on Christ.
rest and so we don't become distracted as painful as our experience is of it that we don't that that doesn't become the sole focus of our day that it's not the pain but it's Christ who wants to heal us in and through that pain that we have to put our eyes back onto but what else can like in terms of community even like what else do you think we could be doing that might help in this space or or some thoughts on where do we even kind of begin yeah I would say a few things think your questions Dina what is it that we can do as a community I think just that word community is important we are a community we are a body of Christ and it's important not to stay alone I need brothers and sisters I think checking in on each other is really important. I remember when I was at uni and one of those moments that like I just remember like it was yesterday, one of my friends who, I don't know, atheist or agnostic, I'm not sure, lovely, lovely girl and a great friend but definitely not Catholic, we were in the car and she said to me, Grace, just checking are you okay? Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah, why wouldn't I be? What's, you know? And she's like, oh, I just, I've been watching the news. Mm. And I'm like, oh, what have you seen in the news? I kind of, yeah. and she's like, oh, Pope Benedict resigned. Like, that was a bit unexpected, wasn't it? How are you mm. feeling? <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, that wasn't the news. I mean, yeah. different. But I was so touched yeah. that yeah. she checked in to make sure yeah. I was okay. So touched. Yeah. And so yeah, like just checking in on each other is really important. And that little, yeah, car trip, I always remember. And I think too, like, well, yeah, as you said, Stina, going like um, remembering that it is Jesus who heals us and God our Father in heaven is the Father that ultimately we all long for. That's why I'm wounded if my father leaves me, whether that be earthly father or, or spiritual father or the father wounds exist because we are in need of a perfect father because we're created yes. as, as his children and that's what we're all longing for and he's the only one that can ultimately fulfill no. that. So it's yeah. so that's important right. like running to chapel and spending time yeah. in his yeah. presence and mm-hmm. letting him just love us yeah. as his children. I know that it's tempting to try and sort of grip onto things or think, well, and I've seen it in myself and I've seen in others try and find a community within the church, you know, find a find a parish or find a movement or find a particular mass that is going to be really, really solid and never yeah. crumble and <laughs> And this will, you know, if I just go to this mass, this is, you know, this is the real deal. This is these people, that priest, so solid Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm good here. Yeah. And to a degree, you know, that that's okay. I'm not saying you shouldn't discern which mass to go to. You know, it's important to feed yourself spiritually, but definitely you can take it to I'm one of father so-and-so's flock. Yeah. Um, And I'm a, yeah, which is, yeah, not, it's not going to fulfill, it's not going to heal us and... Yeah, as you've said, Father, we're all, none of us are immune. Like once we start trusting in our human abilities, like when there's, it's not going to be solid forever. Yeah. I would shout out to my brother priests two things. Firstly, open up a conversation with your parishioner. And there's a story in the United States of a priest who left active ministry and returned. He left active ministry because he had developed an issue with alcohol Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he needed to have that sort of 
space, space or that time. Space to go and get help, yeah. right? To go to a, do you call it a... Like a, a rehab. Yeah, thank you. That's, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. looking for, yeah. a rehab centre. And it was it was quite secret, right? Mm. It, it was a profound level of privacy there that the bishop was hell-bent on respecting, saying, look, he's he's gone away for health reasons and, yeah. and seeking some help. He will return, but his father and... His, so, yeah, sure. so he gave some context around it without saying the exact issue. Now, what that priest did, though, upon his return is that he then spoke to his parishioners and he said, so I've been away and his wife been away. Yeah. And he opened up a conversation to say, now, this is what happened. That's a whole other level of vulnerability I don't think we're necessarily at as a, as a church yet. Yeah, sure. And great healing was to come from, from him doing that. I, I think what it generally tells us is that if we're able to just sit with our people and go, hey, I can't tell you the particulars around it, probably because I don't know the particulars around the issue, but I can sit with you and I can hear you. Open up that conversation. We're willing to be vulnerable with our people and say, yep, I'm hurting too. Yeah. I'm hurting as well. Yeah. That's a really good space to be in. The second thing I'd, I'd recommend for we clergy is to say, well, keep our friendships and prayers, keep them consistent. Mm. It's so e- Activism is such an easy thing to fall into. We are busy people. There's stuff that's always going on. And in some places, you you know, there are days at the cathedral where I feel more like a business manager than a priest. Yeah. You know, it's in that sense, I know how easy it is to fall into activism and we can't do it. Mm. The, the minute that we fall into activism, we're in danger zone. Yeah. And uh, so I think that's the other thing I just say is brother priests, we need to be really concerned with keeping up our, our spiritual lives and our good, solid relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I'd also say don't be afraid to reach out to people outside of your immediate community as well because everyone in your immediate community will be hurting. Yeah. So I can appreciate yeah. that that will be really hard to go to another person who's already hurting and in this space and how do you kind of ask them to hold this space. So yeah. it's okay to kind of step outside of that and go to someone who might belong to a different parish and yep. be like, hey, this is what's going on. This is really hard for yep. me. Can you just yep. hold space for me whilst I kind of mm. grieve or whilst I'm angry yep. or whilst yep. I'm frustrated or whilst I cry or, you know, all this stuff that it brings up for me. Can you just hold some space for me? Like we're meant to be there. Like for yep. a family unit, we're meant to be there for each other. Yes. So we can do that for each other without <laughs> feeling like we have to have the solutions. Right. And we, right. Don't, we don't need solutions True. to be able to hold space for someone. We right. just kind of accept them for who yep. they are, what they come with yep. as they come day to day yeah and i think prayer and human connection is especially for priests but for all of us yeah all of the baptized and i think yeah specifically with prayer I i think reflecting on my own experience i think i can see yes like i know prayer is important i know i have to persist with it and it's these more tender sort of times that gonna say would have been helpful for me to focus on okay I'm feeling like this I feel like my father's abandoned me how can God father me like how am I gonna have time and space every day for God to father me Mm. rather than okay got to keep up my prayers (laughs) got to keep going with my prayers because yeah because even prayer can become become it can become too active or it can become rote or you know there's lots of things that can happen with prayer so being really specific and intentional about okay well I know prayer is important how do I pray during this time so that God can love me father me heal me and that will look different for different people but taking Mm. time to actually reflect on how am I praying in this time yeah Yeah. you remind me of that vulnerability of bringing that vulnerability to Christ because that's where intimacy grows with him like it grows when we are able to be honest about and real Mm. and raw about okay Mm. well this is where Mm. I'm at today Lord so like encounter to me in this yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's this yeah. that's all i got today <laughs> yeah. yeah realness 
yeah authenticity so important before god and with each other mm. and yeah. even coming back to that point about like oh it's embarrassing for the people i'm trying to evangelize to but that's okay too like we're, we're being authentic with everyone and mm. to say to people yes this happened and i don't know why and i don't have answers and i'm hurting but i'm letting god heal me and this is what god is doing for me in this moment yeah. and yeah church is a hospital it's not a museum yes. that authenticity is what we're we don't have a perfect church to give to people in one sense we do but in in the other sense i'm not going to see your face yeah we don't have a museum we don't have a museum yeah to share with people mm. we have what we have yeah <laughs> and that's okay and even and too like the father wounds are prevalent like there yes. yeah so many people most people have a sadly some kind of father wound in their life both within and be, outside of the church yeah mm. in and outside of the church whether it be with their most commonly from their biological father but there's other figures too and so recognizing that yeah this suffering actually unites me to others in that way and mm. Mm. maybe will help me grow in compassion and yeah god will use that yeah yep yep definitely. in his own mysterious and beautiful definitely. way yeah yeah he can use that if we yep. can yeah. cooperate yep. with that. Yep. 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 through this space, definitely. And I guess that would, be the, like, that would be the last thing I would say for this topic is that it can be so easy to become defensive and closed off in and through that hurt and pain and it's so important that we remain open to whatever comes next, like whatever God puts in our path, whatever spiritual ways we have to change in order to adapt to this particular you know, season that we're going through, the connections that we might need to make or put more in, you know, time and energy into because of this particular season or whatever it might be, just to be open to that, that God will yeah, provide yeah. exactly because, as you said, if this is a space that we are willing to cooperate with him to allow further healing for us so that we can then encounter other people more effectively and with greater compassion and with greater love, then he will give us what we need to get through this season well. But we need to first be open to that. And it's so easy to become closed off. Yeah, to tighten our grip. Yeah. Keep holding it all together. Yeah. Keep up it facade or yeah yeah or just become so untrusting yeah because we've been hurt yeah so it's yeah, yeah. really important to stay open and also for the next person who comes to fill those shoes we'll never be able to fill them the same way mm-hmm. but for the next person that comes in that we not one over bombard them with expectation but also that we don't close ourselves off because we've been hurt that we do actually reopen ourselves back up to a new relationship to allow yeah, that to be yeah, built. Absolutely, it does bring up the topic of clericalism to some degree. Is that you know there's there can be a sense in which the priest can put himself or others can put him on a on a pedestal, and you know that this person's shoes are too big to fill, sort of thing. You're like, well, actually, no, it's just that their shoes, mm. and somebody else's shoes are going to be there at some mm-hmm, stage. Mm-hmm. Like it's the priesthood is a remarkable mystery, and it's one that I'm constantly grateful for. But we've got to be so careful that we don't throw people onto onto pedestals and and expect perfection imply perfection or it's just not helpful and it's not realistic yeah it makes vulnerability almost absolutely impossible Mm. because there is no authenticity that you're talking about Mm. well thanks for joining me for a rather sensitive conversation that we've been able Mm. to have today i know there's lots of things that we could have talked about like there's so much in this space and so for you who's listening as well i can appreciate that some of this might have been really hard for you some of it may have touched you emotionally as well there might be certain experiences you're recalling please do what you have to do connect with people to help yourself in that space bring that vulnerability to god as well and if you want to share your experience 
experiences with us, we're always open to hearing as well. So get in touch with us using our social media handles. Or if you know us, come and talk to us. We always love it when you come and speak to us. And we're happy to hold that space for you in a conversation to just mm. hear what you have to say. This, like we're done with the silence. <laughs> or yeah. I am. I'm done with the silence. Yeah. Yep, so 100%. we'll hold that space for you. So to end this particular episode then, maybe a truth, beauty and goodness to kind of lift things back up again. Is there something that comes to mind for you, Grace? Yeah, sure. So my truth, beauty and goodness is the Adoration Playgroup in my parish, which was started by my friend. It's just the most genius, best idea that anyone's ever had, I think. So basically we meet every week and the playgroup goes for two hours and in the first hour we're blessed enough to have an adoration chapel in our parish. In the first hour, half the mums go to the chapel and get to pray and we leave our children with the other mums and then we swap. So anyway, it's so simple but so beautiful because it's just like a normal play group, which is great because the kids can play together and you get to see the other mums. But then it's like you get this hour of prayer in the chapel to yourself. That's really cool. Yeah, especially, I mean, I have one daughter, but for mums with lots of kids, it's like, (laughs) yeah, it's like so sacred to get that time. Yeah, such a good idea. That is a good idea. Adoration playgroup. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah. Genius. Brilliant. Yes. Absolutely. Hopefully we have not indeed. done this before. Yeah. Indeed. Brilliant concept. Brilliant concept. What about you, yeah. Sina? For me, it was a online retreat that I took part in just a couple of weeks ago. It was by Wild at Heart. It was only lasted like two or three hours, but it was such a beautiful way to just step outside of my working week, step into a slowed down way of starting the weekend. And they um, had a beautiful meditation that they led us through as well, which was pretty, pretty awesome too. What about you, Padre? Well, now, strictly speaking, I meant to give you a resource because that is, that is per the instruction of Virtue Ministries founder. <laughs> But it's a suggestion. It's not an instruction. But I've, I've just asked Bishop. I've never been good at taking instructions. So, oh, okay. uh, so <laughs> I'm I'm changing mine. Okay. To Evangeline. Yes. Uh, because because she's just been the sweetest little bundle of joy while we're here in podcasting. And if you could bring her in each time we do so, it'd be great. She is very sweet. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you've been a delight to have Evangeline. Oh, and you've been so patient with us. My that? goodness. Oh, now you're going to be quiet. Oh, now, now, now. You're right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a bit shy for the moment. <laughs> oh, she is such a joy. Yeah, yeah she is. Yeah. She wonderful. lives up to her name. Yes, yes. Evangelizer. Yeah, my word, my word. Well, thanks for joining us as well Thank this you week, so Grace. Much, Tina. Really Thank you, awesome to have you as a co-host. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been yeah, a delight. Very good. And thank you guys for joining us for this week's episode. We will catch you again next week. But until then, know about love and praise.